This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Blessed Be Magic, a jewelry brand committed to reminding you of your magic by creating modern and subtle everyday talismans. Are you looking for witchy jewelry you can wear everywhere? Their gorgeous and lightweight bracelets, cuffs, and rings for the modern witch are beautifully subtle and can be worn daily for all occasions. I particularly love their new talisman rope bracelets, which are enchanting and fashionable in equal measure. Get yours today at Blessed Be Magic, that's magic with a K, and use code WITCHWAVE, all one word, for 15% off your first order. That's www.blessedbemagic.com and use code WITCHWAVE for 15% off your first order. Blessed Be. I'm very excited to share the news that we finally have Witch Wave merch. Yes, we have the official Witch Wave tote bag, which says witches are the future on it. We have gorgeous, glittery witches are the future enamel pins. And we also have signed books by me, both Waking the Witch and What is a Witch? So head on over to witchwavepodcast.com slash shop and get your official Witch Wave merch today. It's a great way to support the show and it's a great way to share your love of magic and witchcraft with the world. The world is filled with bewitching people and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. And welcome to the Witch Wave. So look, I'm no astrologer, but I want to start today's episode by talking about Mercury retrograde. Ooh. This is when the orbit of the planet Mercury appears to be going backwards in the sky. It lasts roughly three weeks and it happens three to four times a year. It also has a not very nice reputation. Because Mercury is said to be the planet of communication, when Mercury retrograde happens, this is a time period when many believe that there are more mishaps and misunderstandings. You might hear that it's not a great time to sign a contract or that our technological devices are more prone to malfunctioning or breaking down. On the more positive side, it's also a period of time that some say is good for being retrospective, revisiting past projects, revising your work, and having old relationships resurface, 
potentially for the purpose of either rebooting them or resolving them in a more positive way, or else learning lessons that you haven't finished learning. So I want to emphasize that despite its bad boy reputation, Mercury retrograde is not all negative. Think of it this way. Progress in one's life is never a straight line, but is rather an ascending spiral. And that means it's only natural for us to expect that elements from our past might reemerge and that we'll have new opportunities to improve upon them. It also means that slowing down and having more considered communication can benefit us. Mercury retrograde invites us to check our work, to cross our T's and dot our I's, and maybe to not send that tweet or email we were rushing to compose in a hot-headed state. One of the things I like to do during a Mercury retrograde period is to double down on my devotion to the Roman god Mercury, who is closely related to the Greek god Hermes. He is a messenger god, and so he's someone I appeal to often when I'm writing or doing public speaking and want to be sure my words are clear and infused with divine purpose. My friend and former Witchwave podcast guest, Jonica Stuckey, and I have been teaching an occult writing workshop together. We actually have one coming up in New York City this weekend. That's Saturday, February 22nd, and only two spots left. So grab them. Sorry for the quick impromptu plug. But anyhow, as part of this class, we have an exercise where we have people write an invocation to their muse. And I often recommend that if people can't think of a muse, that Mercury is a really great one to start with, since he has such deep associations with creativity and communication. Mercury is also a trickster god, a shapeshifter, and a psychopomp, or a guide of souls to and from the underworld. And so he is an expert at moving between spheres and crossing liminal space. One of the ways I show my devotion to Mercury is by having a statue of him on my altar. But I also sometimes wear what is called a mercury dime around my neck. This is a real U.S. dime that was minted between 1916 and 1945, and it seems to have an image of Mercury's head on it. Now, in actuality, it's an image of Lady Liberty wearing a winged helmet, which is why she's so often been mistaken for Mercury. But for me, this symbolic shape-shifting only adds to its mercurial potency. I wear this talisman whenever I need an extra bit of luck or guidance, and especially when I need assistance in my communication. 
And so for me, it feels like a wise thing to do to wear it during Mercury retrograde as an appeal to this deity to help me and perhaps even ease some of the communication breakdowns that seem to happen at this time. Interestingly, Mercury dimes are also used in hoodoo, the folk magic tradition developed in the U.S. by African slaves, which combined their traditional West African practices with the Christian iconography they were forced to adopt when they were enslaved in America. In the hoodoo tradition, mercury dimes are also associated with luck, prosperity, and specifically with money drawing, which makes perfect sense, pun intended, because the words merchant, merchandise, and mercantile are also all related to Mercury. Getting back to Mercury retrograde, I felt compelled to address this now because the current Mercury retrograde period just started on February 16th and will last until March 10th. And I wanted to invite you to consider that this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a time when we're reminded to regroup, revisit and reminisce, and if we choose to, reconnect with the spirit of Mercury in all of his complexity. My guest today, Stacy Ivory, is someone who is also no stranger to nuance and complexity. As a ritual leader and facilitator of women's gatherings around the world, she holds space for the light, the shadow, and everything in between. She also happens to be a member of the coven I'm part of, and I've learned so much from her both in and out of circle. But before we get to that... First, let's check and see what's come through on The Witch Wire. Who is it? Witches! Christina writes, I am trying to be more self-reflective and aware of where my practices are coming from and to investigate what I am drawn to practice and why. My partner's family history links up with slaves and Creole people, specifically from New Orleans. He is black, I am white. He introduced me to smoke cleansing, and when I first did it on my own for our new apartment, I found myself saying incantations of gratitude for our home, specifically each piece and purpose of our sanctuary. However, in diving deeper into practices of smoke cleansing and with experiences with my partner, I've learned that smoke cleansing is done to banish bad spirits and energies. In conversations with colleagues, they shared with me how problematic and colonizing it is for me to participate in this practice, and I also share these concerns. All of this to say... Are there other non-colonizing practices to help bring gratitude forward and cherish the home and the sanctuary? I really enjoyed physically connecting with the bones of our home, but it's not worth the harm to the spirits 
who also share the space and the cultures I'm appropriating from. Hi, Christine. Thank you so much for your thoughtful question. This is something that comes up over and over again on this podcast, but I think it's important to continue dialoguing about it, which is why I want to try and address your note. Let me start by saying that I myself am a white person, and I'm only one witch and cannot speak for all witches or all people, and I'm still learning as I go. And also, I've had people on this podcast of different backgrounds who have differing opinions from each other on this very topic. With that caveat, here's my current thinking about this after speaking to lots of people of color who, it must be said, do not speak for all of their communities either. But the main takeaway that I've learned is that there is no one-size-fits-all answer for questions about whether or not something is offensive or culturally appropriative. However, some things to consider are the way in which something is being done, the intention behind it, and who is getting credited and or paid for the materials of origin. In your case, I don't know the words you were saying, or who you bought your herbs from, or the rituals you were exactly engaging in. But I will say that no one culture owns the concept of burning herbs as a magical practice. I will also say that certain herbs are burned for different purposes. So while some herbs, you'll often hear about sage, though that in itself is a complicated topic we'll get into in a moment, but you'll hear that sage as an herb is often burned for cleansing. However, other plant materials are associated with other elements. So for example, lavender can be burned for peace, mugwort, for visions, roses for love. Now getting back to sage, you'll sometimes come across people who say that white sage, for example, is over harvested, not to mention sacred to many indigenous groups. And so that's something to consider. But if you do some research, you will find ethically harvested sage or sage that you can buy directly from the very indigenous groups that you want to support and that actually helps them from an economic standpoint. But if in doubt, yes, there are plenty of other herbs you can use instead. As we've discussed on the show before, I've learned that calling a smoke cleanse a smudge or a smudging ritual is not accurate, and some might even call using that word to describe a smoke cleanse as a form of cultural appropriation, since the word smudge references a very specific indigenous ritual. And I also know that charging money to do a smoke cleansing ritual for other people can be a very complicated and potentially very problematic practice, but it doesn't sound like that's something you're currently concerned with. And so in my current, albeit constantly evolving opinion, I think it's fine to burn herbs that you have acquired in a respectful 
ethical way in the context of a private ritual that's infused with your personal good intentions. You may find others who disagree with me, and ultimately, you have to do what feels right to you and respectful to the people in your life. Burning herbs and incense continues to be a very important part of my practice, whether for cleansing or blessing or manifesting, and I think if you do it in a considered and respectful way, it can continue to be part of your practice. But if it's just not feeling right for you, or it's affecting relationships in your life, then yes, there are so many other house blessings you can do, from burning candles, to doing special washes or cleansings of your space, to hanging protective talismans. Finally, I do want to affirm for you that saying thank you to spirit is always a good idea. Do let me know how you evolve your practice. I would love to hear your feedback and keep this conversation going. Now, on to my guest. Stacy Ivory is an extraordinary circle leader and ritual facilitator for women and gender non-binary folks throughout the world. Her mission has been to create brave and sacred spaces that foster growth and reconnection with one's true essence of self. She teaches and leads workshops, moon ceremonies, and other magical gatherings. And she's also an intuitive guide, tarot reader, Reiki practitioner, and herbalist. In addition to all of that, she is a representative for the nonprofit organization Woman Within International. Though many of her circles and workshops take place in Brooklyn, where she's based, she can also be found teaching and holding space at such renowned gatherings as Spirit Weavers, Origins, and many, many more. On today's episode, Stacy discusses such important topics as how to cultivate magical community, the importance of shadow work, and how white witches can be better allies for witches of color. Stacy joined me in person in a Brooklyn studio. Stacey Ivory, welcome to The Witch Wave. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here and to be able to gaze upon your radiant face. Yay. And I was just reminded of the first time that you and I ever met, which is at an early gathering of the coven mm -hmm. that we are now both a part of. Yes. And you literally started a fire with your hands. <laughs> And it was the most like majestic, impressive intro I think I've ever had to a human being. So thank you for that. And how the heck did you learn to make fire, Stacy? Let's start there. Yeah, I learned how to make fire. Uh, one of the gatherings that I went to, one of the big ones, Spirit Weavers, my teacher was Miriam Grace, and she is an amazing firekeeper and tender and being in that process of like making fire, it was one of the most empowering things that I've like ever done of just being able to create fire, but also working at it and 
it probably was maybe like my third or fourth try before I actually got it going. And it just felt incredible. And coming to that coven, we were meeting for Beltane. And so we were doing a bonfire and I was like, well, I know how to make fire. And so it was my first time joining and I wanted to bring an offering. It was also a bit of a struggle with that too. And I definitely needed the energy of everyone else. And since then, or even before that in creating fires, I talk about how it needs a lot of energy from other people. And I think there was a moment where I was like, I need you all to sing. <laughs> yes. And we did. And yeah. you brought us fire. It was so incredible. And I think that's a nice place to start in terms of what I want to talk to you about, which is this notion of community, you are someone who is an incredible organizer, an incredible community facilitator. You run so many different magic circles and women's circles. And for me, the notion of starting a circle, it has to start with a spark, right? Yes. You have to have the one person at least who's like, all right, let's do this. And let me then rub some, you know, metaphorical sticks together and get something burning. Yeah. How I started with that was I talk about in my journey and in my bio where I had this moment of like coming out of the broom closet, like as a witch. It was a slow process kind of getting there because there were a lot of things about myself that I had suppressed for so long. And I think there was a moment where I was with, you know, some good friends and other like minded people where we were kind of slowly talking like, well, I'm kind of witchy. You're kind of witchy. Let's, you know, get together and we'll just do something for the full moon, you know, or when, we'll when was this the park for the full moon? There were times that this has happened here and there, probably in the past 10 years, mm -hmm. you know, and then I had this experience where I did a healing weekend retreat through this organization called Woman Within International. And we can talk a little bit about that more. And I had this experience of really reconnecting with a part of myself that had been lost, you know, and I was able to reclaim these parts of myself that I didn't know were there or that I wasn't able to see before. Were you attending this, Stacey, or were you teaching? I was this? a participant. It was an experience that completely changed my life. And then I just wanted to do it more and more. I was like, I just want to do this all the time. I just want to cry and feel and hold space for others while they do that. And slowly started taking more workshops and creating more meetings with people. And then I started after the weekend that I went on, there is an opportunity to join a circle to continue the work that you do. And I sat in a circle for probably about two or three years with these women. Was that here in New York? It was in New York. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it was amazing. And it was just continuously doing work and coming there with anything and everything that you're feeling. And it was something that I do for me. But what's hard living in New York City is that so many of us are busy and we've got work or obligations or friends or we're exhausted. And sometimes doing something for yourself can also seem like a chore. Mm -hmm. And I, I talk about this a lot where in going to these spaces or like going to a circle or going to coven or if you do have like regular meetings, for me, sometimes it can feel like having to take a bath when you're a kid, like <laughs> how you'll fight it sometimes and like you don't want to do it. But then once you're in there, 
you never want to leave or you exactly. don't want to get out. You exactly. Know? And that, it's like, oh, I need it to be cleansed. <laughs> yes. That's something that you often say to us in our coven where someone might like send an email saying like, oh, my God, I'm just having a really tough time. I don't think that I can make it tonight. And you, in a very loving way, often remind us that those times are usually the times that you need community yes. the most. Yeah, absolutely. Bring all of that because that's the place to bring it. When we are feeling overwhelmed or tired, we can't go in with that energy into our workspaces or with a lot of our friendships, but you can take it to circle and have it held there and just be and let go or break down and know that you can be supported with that without judgment. Absolutely. And that's something that I am still letting myself learn, which is this idea of being vulnerable with other people. And I am such a perfectionist. I'm often my own worst critic, very, very hard on myself at times. And so when I'm feeling less than sparkly, mm -hmm. I feel guilty, like bringing that to other people. And, you know, we don't have to have a whole therapy session about me. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons why I am that way. And unlearning that and realizing like, no, I can be imperfect around these incredible people mm -hmm. is such a gift. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much strength and vulnerability that people forget about because we all want to be like the best versions of ourselves. And a lot of us have experienced, I have experienced being vulnerable and being punished for that and mm -hmm. having it turned against me or having someone take your flaws or your fears and use it as a way to attack you. So we are taking a big risk when we are becoming vulnerable, but that's, you know, that's where the strength comes from mm -hmm. is actually have a moment of authenticity and see what can grow out of that. Absolutely. So how did you get from the point of attending this women's circle that yeah. you were talking about to stepping into a moment when you're like, shit, you know what? I can lead now. When did you realize that? And what do you get out of leading? <laughs> it's a work that I have to do every day that I can do this and that I should do this. You're so good at it. Thank Stacey. you. And it's important for me to take that in and to have this validation that I am in alignment with what, you know, my true purpose is. I think from being a participant, which I still need to do because even holding space and leading and offering, we also need to receive as facilitators and and get that nourishment and being held ourselves because that's, you know, how we get to refuel and return it again. I experienced participating in a lot of things and I was like, I can do this. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, You know, I could totally do this. But in the beginning, I did rely on collaborating with other people that I felt might have had more experience or could support me. Yes. But also that is a big part of my work and my reclamation work as a, a woman of color and a facilitator, because there's a lot of times where I don't think that I have visibility or that anybody is going to notice me or see me because this attention gets brought to other people before me. Yes. And I've had a lot of real conversations with close friends and allies about, you know, that people are going to listen to you before they listen to me. So I need your support to be able to step into this. Mm. And now there's been so much like kind of anger or frustration with being overlooked where I need to stand up for myself more and be like, well, I'm doing this and I'm stepping into this role. So stepping into my power is work that I have to do every single day yes. when I wake up, you yes. know, and being able to know that I am fully capable to be holding space for others. But also there are different 
skills that I have and different gifts that I have that might not be for everybody. Mm -hmm. And recognizing and understanding that for myself and offering myself gentleness that it's okay to be different or it's okay to be heavy. It's something that's taken a long time to kind of like get there, but I'm okay with being not for everyone. You know, that's all right. Well, I cannot imagine who you are not for. I'm very (laughs) biased because, and we should disclose, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, that in the coven that we're both members of, Queen Right Coven. Yes. Yay! I did start the coven initially, but one of the ground rules that I set up for the coven was that I did not want to be the leader. Yes. That I wanted us all to take turns leading. And that was for precisely the reason that you just brought up, which is... As a facilitator, as a host, as the person who has to, like, buy the snacks and vacuum your apartment, Mm -hmm. let alone, like, organize the ritual, it takes a lot of labor. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to do that sometimes, but I also was really hungering being part of a community and wanting to let other people lead me and learn from them and let myself be replenished sometimes, too. Mm -hmm. So I think it's an important message that you're reminding people that even if you are someone who leads a lot, letting yourself be led is something that you never outgrow. Yeah. With the work that we do in Coven, which revolves around a lot of ritual and checking in and being honest about what we're feeling and where we are and hearing each other and supporting each other. That's us really showing up, like I said, you know, in an authentic way. I think that there are people that aren't ready for that, that they are interested in spiritual wellness or witchy things, but they just want the look of everything, you know, Mm -hmm. and they want sage or collect crystals and that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or read tarot and that's it. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to talk about any deep stuff and they don't want to talk about any personal stuff. Mm-hmm. And there can be spaces for that as well. Sure. One thing that I love about our coven and why it has been the perfect fit for me in sitting in circle is because we're all committed and we've all kind of made promises to each other in the way that we're going to show up there and what we're going to bring to circle and that, you know, we're all going to take turns leading And we're all just going to show up in an authentic way. So I think also with our coven, a lot of us are, you know, just a bunch of badass witches um, (laughs) and facilitators ourselves that there's kind of like an even playing field. I experienced being in a circle where there weren't a lot of people that were comfortable enough standing up and leading. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. Sure, sure. You know, or people weren't comfortable with getting too deep. Or feeling comfortable enough to let new people in and to like expand their group. And I think that I was facing that with one of the first circles that I was in. I wanted us to kind of like stretch and grow. But then I reached a point where I was like, I don't want to always be the one fighting for this or asking for this or asking for other people to show up and work. And I had reached out to one of my mentors and teachers, Teresita Fawcett, who's an amazing facilitator. And she said, Maybe you need to be in a circle that's all facilitators and that's all people, you know, on the same experience level. And I think that that's what I found with like the Queen, right? And where it is a perfect fit for me because I can come there with everything and all of me where it might not be accepted in a lot of other places because there are some people that are just into love and light and that don't welcome, you know, the fire and don't welcome like the shadow energy Mm -hmm. or this dark feminine energy Mm -hmm. that I hold and that I represent a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
that's something I really appreciate about our coven too. But that phrase shadow work comes up a lot. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, shadow work is connecting to this parts of ourselves that are in these dark spaces, you know, that the shadow parts of ourselves that are, aren't brought to light, the deep parts of our internal being, you know, for me, it's like the deep feminine, what's inside there. And a lot of that can be things that we don't want to see, or it can be like I said before, something that we haven't had access to before. So when we are triggered or when we are doing deep work or when we have to like show up in a powerful way and stand in our power, it means connecting to that parts of ourselves, which is uncomfortable work, which is why there are a lot of people that aren't into doing that. They aren't attracted to it. They want to be in this love and light space and they don't want to be in these dark spaces. Mm -hmm. But this shows up, especially in the archetype of the feminine and woman, especially depicted as being darker or evil. There are these goddesses that have been been in these dark spaces like Anana or Persephone or Oya that have like traveled to like these deep, dark spiritual realms. But that's where you find transformation and you can ascend into power. Absolutely. Beautiful. Do you think shadow work is always associated with shame? Mm. Yes, shame definitely lives in the shadow. And that's probably something that pops up more for us. But I don't think that people can identify exactly when shame comes up, because I can be very honest and say that shame can have me tell a lie in a second, mm -hmm. you know, and there aren't a lot of people that can connect with that. Yeah. And understand that. But 100 percent that lives in shadow. But there needs to be, you know, acknowledgement of that and liberation of that to be able to move away from shame into your divinity. Absolutely. I know there are listeners who are not necessarily facilitators, mm. and there are people who just want to be part of a coven. They yeah. don't necessarily want to lead or a part of a circle, part of community. So what would you say for people who are looking for their kindred spirits and don't even know where to begin? It's very easy to just say, get out there, you know, <laughs> and depending on where you're located, you might not have access to go to a healing center and take a workshop about crystals or tarot or something like that. But if you are in those spaces, I say, you know, take a leap of kind of like putting yourself out there. If you are in a space with other like minded people trying to find, you know, other people like you and be like, hey, do you want to meet up again? But do that with intention, not necessarily just like let's meet up for drinks or have dinner, but like let's actually kind of like do this again with some ritual and sit in circle. Mm -hmm. But another avenue would be the Woman Within International Organization that I was talking about. It's the largest not-for-profit organization that offers workshops towards women for, for healing. Mm -hmm. And they have retreat weekends. They have open circles, which you can join without like having gone on, like on a weekend. They have virtual circles, which are really good. And everybody meets at a certain time. And I think they do it like through Skype or one of those other kind of like uh, services where you get to have like a video conference with everyone. And oh, that could be fun. a way to connect. Yeah. To people, because it's so important to be able to gather outside of your regular circles or your regular friend groups for the purpose of ritual and for healing and for talking about whatever it is that you're carrying or going through, we need it so much, you know, and we need the support of other individuals that are like us, especially women. Absolutely. I was reading an article recently 
actually about Facebook groups, Mm -hmm. which I confess I'm not like an active member of a lot of Facebook groups or whatever. But even outside the witch community, there's so many people who are finding others who have shared experiences, whether they're fighting a similar disease or Mm -hmm. they're trying to become more financially savvy or they're really interested in a certain type of genre of literature. The online communities, I I know we all kind of roll our eyes about social media and how it's Mm -hmm. gotten toxic at times. And there's certainly that shadow side to it. But the plus side of it is you have the capacity now to connect with people who are interested in what you're interested in. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are all kinds of witchy Facebook groups that someone could join if they wanted to. Yeah, Well, absolutely. And the thing is, it's interesting that there are so many people that you've come across that have asked, well, how do I do this? How do I become a part of it? Because I was a person that didn't know that it had existed Mm. and I didn't know that I needed it or that I wanted it. Mm. And the first time I went to a women's gathering, I was just like, oh, my God, I didn't. What, where have I been? You know, you guys have been doing this for four years and without me. Once I found it, I was like, wow, this is just what I needed. That's also just a discovery that I've had within myself. The first circle that I sat in, one of my circle sisters was like, wow, you just have like this innate understanding for ritual. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. But then I was just like, well, yeah, that just makes sense to me. I just get it, you know. And then so I was say put out the call you know make a spell if you want to sit in a circle if you want to be in a community if you want to go to a gathering just put out that call and someone is going to show up and message you or you're going to run into somebody or you're going to come across something or someone's going to you know recommend you go see this thing or go to something that you know they think might be good for you say yes to it you know yes and that's the most important part because i think sometimes we want these things we ask for these things and then something will come across our transom and we're like too tired to go or we're too nervous to go. And it's like, you got to show up. You have to make that leap. And it is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm always nervous, even now as a pretty experienced person, when I'm entering a new group or circle that I've never been part of before. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that nervous kind of hopefully excitement as well. But I get nervous and I just know by now it's like that's part of it. You have to push through it and trust that you're meant to be there. And you know what? If it's not the right circle for you, that's OK. You yeah. never have to show up again, but it's worth a try. Absolutely. And then you can find what fits for you. But it's just going out and trying because you never know what, what could happen if you don't. I want to touch on one more thing. A thing that I brought to our coven that I see now we do all the time when each new person leads is making space to call in people. So we call in our members that aren't there, but we also call in anybody who we want to hold space for or anybody who we think could benefit from doing the work that we do or sitting in circle or having a coven. And even knowing that your name is mentioned, well, you don't know that your name is mentioned, but it was, you know, people might already be calling out to you. Yes, you know, exactly. so it's just like tapping into that. And I have to say, it's really comforting knowing that. So, for example, I've been at the majority of our gatherings, mm-hmm. but I can't be at our next one because I'll be traveling And I asked you all to make sure you hold space for me and say my name. And I know you will. And that just makes me feel so at peace and so supported. Yeah. It takes the, you know, I'm there with you in spirit, you know, to to a whole new meeting (laughs) where we are making a space for you. Exactly. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
Foxglove Farm creates magnificent, vegan, cruelty-free, earth-focused products like baths, teas, facial care, and magical spell kits. Could you use a lift? Try the Foxglove Farm Good Spirits Soap with lemon balm and frankincense to elevate your mood. Looking to rev your lust engines? Their Livin' Libido Loca Tea just might do the trick. And you know I'm on a rose kick right now, so their Coming Up Roses Facial Mist is totally calling my name and my face. These are just a few of the offerings from Foxglove Farm, but if you're having trouble deciding or you just want to spoil yourself with a selection of goodies, then check out their monthly gift boxes. Every box celebrates the magic of a different plant each month and weaves that plant into the rituals, scents, healing teas, and spell items contained inside. Delish! I also love that Foxglove Farm runs a heart-centered business using minimal recycled packaging and donating a bar of soap to those in need for every soap ordered. So head on over to foxglovefarm.com. That's foxglove, P-H-A-R-M.com to order mindfully crafted plant-based products that are kind to your body and to your soul. And if you use offer code WITCH, you'll get 13% off your orders. That's offer code WITCH for 13% off. Foxglove Farm makes good stuff with good intentions. Welcome back to the Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Stacy Ivory. So Stacy, we're talking about circles and covens. I would love to have listeners have a better understanding of what can potentially happen in these spaces. You're such a seasoned ritual leader. Let's say somebody's starting a circle for the first time or experiencing attending a circle for the first time. There's a kind of format to these things, mm-hmm. right? That are kind of tested and true. So what do you recommend in terms of the cadence of these kinds of rituals? What can happen is 100% a feeling of connection and closeness in gathering and just saying your name and how you're feeling. And you can have a little craft or a ritual. Some place to start would be even just doing a ritual or a gathering on the full moon or the new moon. And just getting people together to celebrate the moon. That's Mm -hmm. a way to start. Mm -hmm. If you regularly meet, what can happen is personal connection, but also you can have revelations within yourself. But alongside that, there can also be conflict, which is a great thing for growth. So expect to be triggered. I feel that every organization, every gathering that I've been to, that I've been a part of, I have been triggered. But it has been for my own, it's helped me on my own healing journey. Can you talk a little about that? Because like, if I were to hear someone tell me that, it might make me nervous oh, yeah. to show up. If, <laughs> you know what I mean? So what do you mean by triggered? When you do gather, and this also could be why there are a lot of solitary practitioners or solitary, you know, witches is that They might have had experiences by being around other people or being around other women and feeling judged or not being able to connect or feeling that, you know, there was always this competition or envy or just like toxic energy that can happen where they want to stay away from. 
And so 100%, it can happen even if you decide to come together in a sacred space. And there are a lot of practitioners that hold space and they say, this is a safe space or this is a safe environment. And that's not always true because we're different types of people that come from different backgrounds and we're all learning and growing and we're going to say things that might be slip ups or we could say something that offends somebody or that triggers somebody or the way someone comes in and approaches or touches you or doesn't touch you or says something can trigger an old wound within you. Mm, mm. But when I say expect to be triggered and how it's helped me in my own journey, I've learned that triggers are a gift. And it's hard to say that. But when that happens, then it makes you accountable to kind of do the work and process. Well, where is that coming from? Mm -hmm. Why is that coming up for you? And how can you heal this? And how can you change this? And also going back to being vulnerable, how can you speak up for yourself and ask for what you need Mm -hmm. or ask for what you want because you are feeling, you know, disconnected or something? And when I say, you know, you can be triggered, I don't want people to be afraid of going someplace or reaching out to people to seek connection because, you know, they might not fit in. But you can feel empowered or comfortable enough to talk about who you are and what you need and to let other people see your light. And when you do feel triggered, you can see power that happens when you speak up about that. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. when you talk about that really hurt my feelings for this reason or that reason, or I'm feeling unseen or I'm not feeling heard. And those things are really hard to kind of overcome because especially many women, myself included, feel unheard by the majority and even in the spiritual community, especially as as a woman of color. And there aren't a lot of spaces that highlight voices of the marginalized, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and in my own personal journey, speaking up about feeling triggered has empowered me to be radical and not apologize for it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. But I think that when you are gathering in circle, like there are guidelines that I like to follow that promote a brave space. And I wrote about it in an article in Ravenous Zine. The The editor of that magazine is another one of our coven sisters. Yes, Mallory Lance, who Mallory was on Lance. an earlier Witch Wave episode. I love her so, 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 so much. I love her too. We love you, Mallory. I love you, Mallory. But I kind of outlined some ground rules of This is how you can form your own circle. These are ways that you can set sacred space. These are certain things that you can do, but also be mindful that we might have these feelings that come up where we're feeling disconnected or we're feeling triggered. So a big thing to think about is having a form of conflict management because we do want to grow. We want to see the best for everybody and we want people to feel comfortable, but we have to be mindful of these things, you know, so that we can all elevate because I feel like when there are people that are feeling secluded or want to retreat or leave a situation, it's because, you know, they feel misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And so if this isn't comfortable or if this isn't going the way that I like, then I'm just going to leave. Yeah. You know, and don't do that, you know. So I want people, you know, if you're feeling that way, talk about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to leave in the middle of the night, you Mm -hmm. know, or or Mm -hmm. to run away. Tell me how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you need. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Can we talk about the word women? Yes. Because I know that there's a history, you know, especially in the women's movement space Mm -hmm. of some transphobia, 
And I would say this isn't my experience. Like the spaces that I've been part of have been very mindful about intersectionality and about gender being an expression that has a lot of different ways of manifesting. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm fully aware of things like the Michigan Women's Music Festival, which Mm -hmm. was this festival that went on for 40 years and was a transphobic space. Mm -hmm. And the festival has since essentially disintegrated, Mm -hmm. I think, for economic reasons, as well as reasons of debate around who gets to be a woman and so on. So when you're saying that you're part of women's circles Mm -hmm. or you lead women's circles, what does that mean exactly? Who is there? I'm glad that you asked this and brought this up because I do women's work. I facilitate women's work. Part of my work and part of my own journey is this reclamation of the feminine and empowering woman because woman has been disempowered for so long Mm -hmm. and has been persecuted and murdered and just silenced silenced 100%. So because I am saying this being in, in women's circles and being in women's spaces, that does include women, you know, with an X and femme identified, female bodied, non-binary, you know, trans women. For me, that is a huge part of the work that I do to provide less shame around that. But it's not to say that it is excluding someone else mm-hmm. or that their fight is not as important. Mm-hmm. And You know, that can also be off-putting for other people, but I don't have much experience holding space in that way for men or Mm -hmm. for non-binary folks. I want to get better at that, Mm -hmm. and I am inclusive to that. But trans women are super included in your circle. Yes. So this is not about biology. This no, is no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I knew that. I just wanted to make sure our listeners knew that. Yes. There is um, one of these workshops that I facilitate with a rotation of other facilitators called the Women's Rejuvenation Circle and Women with an X. We've had a lot of trans women come there. And in this workshop, we do a lot of uh, sexuality reclaiming and body reclaiming. It's a body positive workshop. We also get topless and do self breast massage. And when I lead, I like to ask people, you know, well, what was it like when you first got breasts? And it's amazing to hear some trans women talk about what their experience was like coming into their body. Mm-hmm. And then we move into like sensual movement and yoni exercises. But no, I believe that there's an energetic imprint of a womb, mm-hmm. you know, on other individuals. You know, even though you're not born with these parts doesn't mean that it's not there or that that, also, that energy isn't there. I know people who have had hysterectomies or they don't have the quote unquote biological parts that signal woman in the old fashioned sense. And they still very much feel that feminine energy flowing through them. So it it seems so silly to make it about only the flesh, if you were. Yeah. Well, and when I talk about, you know, this reclamation of like, of women of like the divine feminine, I feel that it's very inclusive because we hold multiple bodies and multiple sexes within our body. Exactly. So it's inclusive of of everything. And having this softer side, this nurturing side is very welcoming and inclusive for all, you know, and we all have these different polarities like within us. Absolutely. So how did you come into your own witchiness? Where did you grow up? Were you interested in witchcraft as a kid? Oh, how did this manifest for Yeah, you. big time. I mean, I was 
waiting to get my powers on my 16th birthday and that (laughs) didn't happen (laughs) yeah exactly um and I thought maybe it would happen you know the next year or the year after that yeah but where did you grow up I grew up in San Diego California Mm -hmm. yes and I remember when the craft came out just oh my god losing my shit And it just made sense to me. But also around that time, I joined like the Wiccan club at like my school and ended up being like a lot of guys with goatees and like black nail polish. And though I will say (laughs) shouts to your school for having a Wiccan club. Was this in the 2000s? This was the um, the late 90s. Okay, yeah. Well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, California. No, yeah. And so that's the only thing that I knew about witchcraft. When I started to discover more of my witchiness and kind of where it comes from, I, I think about how I was absolutely inspired by like bewitch and I dream of genie and identifying with them in this sense of of magic. And I think for me, it was the sense of wanting more power and being able to kind of like change my surroundings because I had a, a very rough upbringing and I was wanting so badly something different, you know, and I saw that in magic. Yeah. And when I started doing rituals for myself, you know, I put so much energy into wanting to just change the outcome of whatever I had. And then I lost that part of myself and I lost that magic for a long time. And I've always been spiritual, but there was a moment where I kind of had like a a spiritual miscarriage where I wasn't able to to hold on to something or birth something Mm. um, in terms of creation or being in alignment with who I was. Mm. And being able to come back into that now being able to kind of have this rebirth and to know that I'm constantly transitioning and transforming. It's just so liberating. Yeah, it's amazing. Now I'm discovering more of my lineage and the witchcraft that's in my blood that I knew that I felt that I knew was activated, but I wasn't able to kind of pinpoint what it was, Mm, you know? mm. And, And I think a lot of people feel that and it takes work. You have to do personal work to kind of find what you come from and what's the work that you need to do of your ancestors. Mm-hmm. And yes, and then I learned that, you know, Wicca wasn't the only witches that were around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. On that note, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. So I'm obviously a big fan of witchcraft as a tool for changing your life. But it is absolutely no replacement for professional therapy. I should know because I've been seeing a therapist for most of my adult life, and it has helped me so much with anxiety, trauma, the blues, and also just the day-to-day stresses that come up for all of us. That's why I'm so happy to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is making therapy more accessible for people because they offer online counseling. That's right. You can now connect to BetterHelp's professional counselors from the privacy of your own computer or phone. And so it's incredibly convenient. And you can get help at your own pace by scheduling secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and texting. 
BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, hello, relationships, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem. In other words, pretty much everything that human beings deal with at some point in their lives. And everything you share is 100% confidential. Also good to know is that if your counselor isn't a good fit for any reason, no problem. You can request a new one at any time for no additional charge, and you can get set up for your first session in under 24 hours. BetterHelp is making therapy more accessible and more affordable. It even has financial aid for those who qualify. And best of all, Witch Wave listeners get 10% off the first month of counseling by using offer code WITCHWAVE. That's all one word, WITCHWAVE. So if you, like me, could use a little extra help sometimes, don't hesitate. Mental well-being is so important. Please go to betterhelp.com slash witchwave, where you'll fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash witchwave for 10% off your first month. Welcome back to the Witchwave. Today, I'm speaking with Stacy Ivory. So Stacy, you were talking about feeling more connected to your lineage, and that's something that comes up quite a bit, um, certainly in conversation on this podcast, but I think in the witchcraft community at large, which is striking this balance between wanting to connect to one's own family line and be respectful of other people's traditions without co-opting them um, or, you know, appropriating them. While at the same time, you know, the witchcraft community is this eclectic community of sharing and exchanging. So I would love to hear your thinking around what it's like to be a witch of color in this community right now. And what are some of the positive things you're seeing? And what are some of the problem areas that this community still needs to do correction on? Mm hmm. Well, I think the positive and negative are probably the same things, especially as a practitioner and someone who does this for a living. It can feel like there's not enough space. So there can feel like a lot of competition, even with it, with each other, but also still no visibility. Can you talk about competition? Do you mean in terms of like how many tarot readers are being hired to read at an event? Or are you talking about emotional competition in a circle or all of the above? All of the above. There's emotional competition or, yes, how many, you know, who gets to do this job or who gets to the witch that's noticed. interviewed, yes. uh, you know, by the press Absolutely. about the witchcraft trend. And now, you know, whenever I see other practitioners of color, business owners, especially like in the spiritual realm, you know, I want to promote them and I want to bless them up the best way that I can. And I'm like, yes, support women of color practitioners, support women of color business owners to get your spiritual, you know, products and your needs and, you know, and to go to for services because a lot of the practices that you are going to for healing come from these people mm -hmm. and come from their lineage. Mm -hmm. So definitely support them. It's sad that 
that doesn't happen as often as it should. There are a lot of people that are using their platforms to elevate these voices and these practitioners and these writers and these makers. And I love that. And there are shops that are, you know, elevating, you know, these individuals. And I think that that's that's a wonderful thing. And that's what we're moving towards. We're moving to this takeover of returning back to to the feminine we're going to have more women of color in in office and all of that you know yes yes <laughs> but the difficulty is just the fight and the struggle and knowing that you know you can show up in these spaces Mm-hmm. And so I'm very grateful for other practitioners and other sisters that I come across that we can create connection and that we can support each other and uplift each other in these spaces and honor each other because that's how we start to make the takeover, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. It's something that I think about a lot and I'm certainly always trying to do better and I think one of the things I grapple with as a white person and a witch who is white is wanting to be as supportive as I can without overstepping. And I imagine there are a lot of listeners who are white who relate to that. And this question comes up for me, especially when it comes to money and Mm -hmm. wanting to support witches of color by buying their services or their goods that they're making. And yet there's also this dual message of like, well, not all of this is for you as as a white mm-hmm. you know, customer or consumer. And so, you know, I know that there's not one answer to this question and you are not, you know, speaking <laughs> on behalf of all um, black witches. Yeah, no. um, but I just wonder if you have any thoughts about that in terms of what is an appropriate way or a supportive way for white practitioners to help boost the signal of black practitioners or um, to elevate them or support them. You had mentioned it on one of your previous episodes, but you kind of talked about this, about how there are a lot of practitioners or followers who borrow from other traditions. And we have been trading and sharing since the beginning of time and sharing medicines and sharing, you know, rituals. So it doesn't mean that like, Yes, there are people that believe that, you know, this isn't for you. And sometimes, yeah, it isn't for you. And sometimes you can get a clear no that you shouldn't be doing these things or you don't have the right to work with this herb or this medicine, you know, and find something that you can work with. But I think that there just has to be education and there has to be reverence and there has to be appreciation and an honoring of what it is that you're sharing and what it is that you're using and what it is that you're purchasing and knowing exactly where it comes from, you know, it does doesn't mean that you can't play this drum or burn this herb, but do you know where it comes from? Do you know the story of it? Do you know what this means? And also, how did it get to your hands? Was it in an ethical way, you know, mm-hmm. or is it something that you just have no business in because you saw it on Instagram? You yeah. know, I think it's also about paying attention to the maker of the message. So I had this experience a couple years ago where I saw Solange in concert. Mm -hmm. And this was during her Seat at the Table album. And it was so incredible. And I was, you know, there were definitely some white people there, but I was definitely in the minority. And I was cool with that. And I was having this amazing time. I love her music. 
But then she started singing the lines, this shit is for us. Mm -hmm. And the whole crowd broke into that line. And like, I know the song. So I started singing along and then I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't say that part. (laughs) I really, I really shouldn't sing that part. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped. It's not like I was starting to sing it. Like, I just knew the song and I was singing along and swept up in the moment. And then I had that kind of consciousness of like, oh, this is a part where like I can just listen and observe because this part isn't about me or for me. Like I said, I'm still making mistakes all the time, but it was kind of an eye opening moment for me where I'm like, you can participate, but sometimes you are listening Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's the best way. It doesn't mean that I wasn't invited at the concert at all, but I was definitely in the back seat there and it was a lovely thing to witness too yeah 100 percent. i mean because it doesn't mean that you can't listen to this music or or purchase this music because mm-hmm. you should you know and you should be supporting these people yes. but you also should be blessing them and uplifting them so like this is for for you is like the position that you should be coming from, you know, and and I honor that. Yes. You know, and I am just here to support from a distance. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Are there circles you know about just for witches of color? Actually, I have facilitated some circles that were just for witches of color, and I still will do that and still do that because it is great to have a space for that. I think the last one that I led was on Juneteenth and it was a free circle for women of color to just come and just be and just, you know, have an opportunity to to sit in circle. But also something that I have been doing and a part of at different gatherings is leading these beings of color circles where there is an outer circle of allies of just listening and just holding space. Because a lot of the times things that are shared, which are, you know, celebrations and joys, but also sadness and what we've experienced and how we've been triggered or how we've been offended or, you know, someone did this or said that or wore this. And we're sharing that in these circles. Before I started leading these spaces, the last time I had sat in a circle like that, I was like, well, we keep talking about these transgressions but they're going to continue because these white people don't know what they're doing, you Mm -hmm. know, or these white witches or these white feminists don't know how they're being hurtful. So we have to speak up in a more public sense where they can just hear what our experience has been like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are people that want to show up as allies and want to listen and want to do better. And there are still some people that are just like, well, this isn't my fight or this doesn't interest me. I want to make a basket. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I'm not interested in this. And I feel that that is still showing up in the witchcraft community or with these companies that are insanely expensive for these spiritual products mm-hmm. or things and <laughs> yes uh-huh uh-huh and it is catered towards these women that aren't interested in doing any work yeah i mean i'm thinking I imagine of the same company you're thinking of. Uh Um, And I've always been hesitant to like talk crap about this company publicly. But if you know who we're talking about, they have a Netflix show now. And it feels like such a missed opportunity to really change the conversation, change the world. it, It is a missed opportunity. And I think that 
that needs to be a responsibility. If you're going to call yourself a witch, if you are an empowered person, an empowered being, then it's your responsibility to do better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you have all of this privilege, then you need to share that or you need to acknowledge that within you and how you can use your privilege in a better way. A hundred percent. Well, we are coming up on time, but I want to make sure that we talk about all the incredible circles that you lead and things that you have coming up over the next year. What are some things that you want people to know about? What I'm going to be doing in spring and summer, I'm so excited because this is the time when I get to go to all the gatherings and I love being in the woods. I never thought that I was a person that would enjoy that, (laughs) but I love camping, but also I still look like the way that I do in the city in the woods. It's so true. I see these photos of you like on Instagram and you are looking like so glamorous and majestic as you always are. You just happen to be surrounded by trees. Yeah, because that's something that I do for me. You know, it's so funny to think that maybe women put on makeup for somebody else or for men. But I got to look good for these trees, you know, (laughs) and for me. Hell yeah. Um, But so you can catch me this summer at the Spirit Weavers Gathering. I know Tickets for that have already sold out. They went on sale in the beginning of January, and I think they sold out in like 10 minutes. Which is so wild. Yeah, they do back-to-back sessions because it's gained so much popularity. And this was a gathering that, you know, has a lot of followers on Instagram, and a lot of people can see this from the outside and think that it is maybe a gathering that's catered towards like rich white women. But we've been doing work there, you know, because we've been bringing up these tough issues, and they've heard us, and a lot of things have changed. And they have made more efforts of inclusivity for beings of color, for non-binary folks, for sex workers. Like there's like some amazing things happening there. Right on. Um, And where is that, Stacey? That happens in in Oregon, in Mm -hmm. Southern Oregon. And I was saying that the tickets are sold out. But of course, there are some people that are unable to go. So you can still go to their website and be connected to their ticket hub, Mm -hmm. which I think it'll lead you to a link on, on Facebook. I don't have the exact address to that. But people are always selling their tickets so there could be an opportunity for you to experience in this gathering how fabulous and you're teaching there i am going to be teaching there i'll be there for both sessions both weekends the sun and moon session and i will also be at the origins gathering over fourth of july weekend and that is a more intimate gathering still doing amazing work and it's a wonderful weekend that happens in northern california in nevada city I am going to be with uh, the the Woman Within organization. They offer healing uh, retreat weekends all over the world. And in March, I will be in Pennsylvania. Also in March, I will be in Texas with them. And yeah, (laughs) all over the world, I'll be in California. You can find the Spirit Weavers Gathering at spiritweavers.com, the Origins Gathering, origins.com, Woman Within International, womanwithininternational.org. And you also teach and lead a lot of circles here in New York City at places like Cult Party, which is an amazing radical intersectional feminist witch shop in Bushwick and and some other places too, right? Yes, I've been talking to Spirit House Collective, so there might be a collaboration with them coming up, as well as Maha Rose. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, so there's a lot of great things. And I, in my travels this spring and summer, I'll be going on a tour. So you could probably find a workshop coming up 
near you. Um, but I, <laughs> but I, I love talking with women that, who are seeking connection because that is something that I can do and that I'm good at. If you are looking for a circle to go to or some sort of retreat or organization, please reach out to me because I can help you find one in your city. Absolutely. And what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Instagram at Stacy Ivory, S-T-A-C-I-V-O-R-I. Yes. Wonderful. And for those listening, I highly, highly, highly recommend that they seek you out, Stacy. You are such a powerful witch, such a loving and mighty leader. And I feel so lucky to have been sitting in circle with you. Thank so you. thank Me you so too. much for being here, Stacy. Oh, thank you. That's it for the show. Thank you again to Stacy Ivory for sharing her wisdom and for her dedication to cultivating sacred space. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Drop us an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on the witch wire. The Witch Wave is produced, written, and recorded by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was edited by Rachel Jacobs. Thank you, Rachel, and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthia. Special thanks go to Matt Freeman, Lara Antal, and Chiquita Pascal. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website. And now buy Witch Wave merch at witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us lots and lots of sparkly, glittery, twinkling stars. It really does make a difference and helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WitchwavePod. And you can check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the App Store. And please consider picking up my book, Waking the Witch, which is available everywhere now. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.